0: Uh, we're in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to finish up the first chapter t- uh, today. Uh, so if you would turn with me there. Um, everyone got the, just heard the announcement about prayer week. I'm kind of excited about that. Every night we'll be here at 7 o'clock starting tomorrow night. 7 till whenever. I don't want to put a time limit on it, but we'll stay as long as people want to pray. And uh, so Monday through Friday. The next Sunday is the water baptism. Looking forward to that. That's at 4 o'clock next Sunday afternoon. So anyway, uh, Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to read from verses 27 uh, to 30. It's the last section of that chapter. And uh, if you haven't been here or you're visiting today, uh, we're, we're, we're preaching through the book of Philippians. Those online, we're, we're just continuing where we left off last week. Uh, why don't we stand together as we read the word today? Uh, Philippians 1, verse, starting at verse number 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or in absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition. But to you, it's proof of salvation and that from God. For to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Father, thank you for this passage. Thank you that we're right here at this point in time on this day. Um, And we pray, Lord, that the word will speak to our hearts in a very powerful way. I ask you, Lord, anoint my mind and my lips and my spirit to preach the word of God the way you want it to be preached and proclaimed today. And may it have the results that you want as well. Today, right now, in-house, live stream, or in the future as people watch it through social media. Bless it, Lord, for your glory, for your honor, and for the edification of your church. We give you praise for it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, uh, Paul, as you know, oh, by the way, I've entitled the message today, Join the Club. Uh, I, I had this thought in my mind throughout the week as I was in New York visiting my mom. I was happy I was on the team. I was on the club, the club meaning Christians. I had a family of Christians behind me. It was good to be drawing strength from everybody, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Paul has been saying to the Philippians, uh, encouraging them, blessing them, loving them. Uh, This epistle is uh, subtitled the Epistle of Joy, because there's a lot of joy in this epistle. Uh, He has a great relationship with these people. Uh, Last week, we talked about the previous section, and that sermon was entitled Paul's Dilemma. Uh, And at that point he was not sure if he would see them again. He was not sure if he would be living or dying. He wasn't sure what his future held. Um, He was an enemy of uh, of Caesar, jailed for proclaiming a different king. Death was imminent in his life and he was in a dilemma. The dilemma was how he should think. Should I think like I want to die and go to heaven and get it over with? Or should I think that I want to stay here and work with the people of God? He says, well, to die is better. But, you know, for the sake of everyone, I've resolved this by I'm going to think that I'm going to stay here. And whatever God does, I'm going to I'm going to have that attitude. And we talked about what he was what he was dealing with. We talked about his faith. We talked about his the prayers of the saints for him. We talked about the work of the Holy Spirit. We talked about how important the fellowship of the saints was for him to process this dilemma he was in. So the point, if you missed the point last week, the point is, if you're in a dilemma, I think I said last week, I have at least two a day, but if you're in a dilemma, let your faith arise. Let the, the prayers of the saints back you up. Let the Holy Spirit have his way to direct your mind and your thoughts and your actions and have the fellowship of the saints to kind of, uh, buffet you and, and protect you from the enemy of, of your soul. But anyway, uh, the, Paul's dilemma was solved. He decided, well, I'm going to plan on staying here. I'm going to think positive, And if I can get to see you, I'm going to see you. Uh, and that's where he, he was. Uh, what I'm saying, in the atmosphere of faith, we can solve our dilemmas. And some of our dilemmas are very, very real. Like, for instance, my mother is in a dilemma right now. What are we going to do when she, uh, when she gets to the rehab center? Or what if there's not a bed available for her? We're in a dilemma. How are we going to work this out? So we're seeking God's help and God's guidance. So anyway, in verse 27, Paul continues uh, with his discussion with, this, with these Philippians. Uh, and he says uh, he engages the church. Verse number 30 kind of summarizes. He, he's engaging the church to join with him. Uh, See, it says uh, you have the same conflict which you saw in me. Now you hear is in me. You have the same conflict. We're in the battle together. We're in the same dilemma, in a sense, together. And he's engaging them like to be a part of his life. And he wants them to excel and to do the right things as they go through their dilemmas. He invites them to be a part of the team with one mind one heart and one purpose. And one thing I've, I've realized is so important that being a part of the team is crucial. Uh, being, a, being a part of, of the body of Christ is really important. Now, now at the time when this was written, most of the divisions and, and disunity that were causing uh, factions in the body of Christ were based upon uh, doctrinal issues, you know, divisions caused by what people were saying about Jesus, uh, you know, different things about him. But nowadays, it's not so much that. Nowadays, if someone has a problem with the church's doctrine, guess what? They get up and leave and go to the church that has the doctrine that they want. So it's not that that causes division, although that is another type of division. The type of division that's going on now is caused by personalities and opinions and, uh, and, and uh, Uh, the way people process what's going on. Uh, And let me just say this. Doctrinally, we as a church are not changing. I think I shared with you sometime before that uh, there was a time a few years ago when a father and a son had visited here. And I thought they enjoyed the service by the look on their face. They engaged with everybody, but they wanted to meet me during the week. I thought, great, to have a little fellowship with these new people. They wanted to convince me not to be Pentecostal. And, and they weren't budging. And guess what? I wasn't budging either. But, I mean, we left peacefully, but we're not changing our position where we stand on the Word of God. There's plenty of churches that <laughs> preach otherwise. But you ever, you ever notice in, in 1 Corinthians 1, I'm digressing a little bit, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I think it is, maybe 2, uh, Paul's writing, you know, some of you say you're from Apollos and, or from Peter or Cephas. Some are from Christ. And the thing about that is all those, they were all preaching the same thing. It wasn't that the doctrine was different. It was the personality was different. And I see that a lot within the body of Christ. But anyway, as we look at these scriptures, we're going to see an emphasis being placed upon unity and togetherness. So when you join the club, when you're on the team, I mean, I remember playing sports as a kid. I don't know if anyone played sports or in bands in my life in the past let me tell you something. There was always conflict. Somebody always got their feelings hurt. Somebody told somebody off. Someone left town for, you know, just always stuff. But you know what? We were a team and we stuck together. Church is really no different than that. So I want to I talk about this uh, verse by verse as we've been doing. And then I want to give you uh, three criteria for joining the team when we, get, when we finish this verse by verse. So first of all, verse number 27. Uh, continuing from Paul's dilemma, like, like I said last week, I was kind of taken by the fact that Paul was bearing his soul to these people. I want to die. I don't know what I should do. He, he's letting his heart out. He's wearing his emotions on his sleeve. He doesn't care. He's just sharing his, what he's going through. And he says all of that. He resolves it by saying, well, I'm going to stay as the Lord allows me to say. I'm going to work with you or whatever. But then he says in verse 27, the word only. And the word only here means like, uh, like so or, or now or, or just now that I talked about me, now I want to talk about you. So if I'm going to do this, I want you to do this. That's what he's saying here. So uh, he says, um, I, I, I shared my dilemma. But, but the first thing is now, now you let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. That's a great phrase. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, Jesus, uh, when he was at the baptism, when John was baptizing, when the Pharisees came, he said to them, show me signs of repentance. Show me something that you're sincere in your belief or, or what you want to do. In the same manner, Paul is saying, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel not just how you think, not just your doctrine, but how you live out your faith in real life. So um, it's understood in this passage that what he's saying is live your life as a new creation. Live your life as redeemed of the Lord. Live your life with the fruit of the Holy Spirit in humility, in obedience to the Lord and to the word of God. Paying attention to the details of life that you give glory to Christ in every aspect of your life and that you're aware of the battle within you, within your own flesh and with the demonic world that we can't seem to escape. You know, Live your life worthy of the gospel. In other words, he's saying Jesus gave his life for you. Now live your life of thanksgiving back to the Lord that gives him honor and is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, in the context here, um, he's saying, whether I visit you or don't visit you, uh, I want to hear some good news. Um, Specifically, he's saying, I want to hear some good news that you're living your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that when I hear about you, I'll, I'll hear that you're standing fast. I'll hear that you're standing fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I like that verse 27. Have your conduct worthy of the gospel, at the end of that verse, so that your faith, of uh, so that you, for, for the faith of the gospel. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel for the faith of the gospel. And you do that by working together, striving together in unity, pursuing God. Romans 1 16. And this was on my daily devotional this morning too. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. First, the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. In it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Paul is saying, I want to hear of your commitment to this gospel. I want, to see, I want to hear, if I get there, I want to see the unity in the, in the fellowship. Remember, there was one episode we studied some time ago that there was a revival. I believe it was in Antioch. And uh, Paul, uh, Peter and John sent Barnabas up to, up to Antioch to see what was going on. And when he got there, he saw the grace of God. And I got into that. How do you see the grace of God? It's an intangible. But he said, I want to see your love and your commitment to the Lord by how you do what you do in unity with the body of Christ. So then verse number 28, and he says, not in any way terrified. In other words, I want you to do this without fear. I mean, for us, I would say, you know, the Lord wants us to do this without embarrassment, maybe fear if we're afraid, but without, embar- without being afraid to stand up for the Lord. Because I'm going to paraphrase verse 28. As, as you do that, your adversaries see proof of their own sinfulness. When they see your righteousness, they recognize their own sinfulness. And you recognize your own salvation. That's what verse, what verse 28 says. I want to see, I want to hear that you're doing verse 27 with a confidence and a boldness. Uh, so that your enemies will see Christ in you and, and, and will, see the, will feel their own sinfulness because of your righteousness. And so Paul desires this of them. Now he's in prison, he's dealing with his stuff. They're over in Philippi dealing with their stuff. They're not in prison, but they have adversaries. And Paul's saying, I want to encourage you walk worthy of the gospel, stay together. Don't be ashamed. Let your light shine. And then verse 29. Uh, this is a great verse of scripture, but I believe that the Lord intends this verse not to only be for the Philippians. He says, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also that you suffer for his sake. That's a universal scripture. It's been, it's been a uh, is for to you it has been granted it's been given to you it's an opportunity given to you to not only believe but to suffer for the sake of Christ we're going to get into that in a minute suffering believing and suffering are part of living out the gospel in a worthy manner we're, we're living it out. We're believing in Jesus and we're suffering for Christ at the same time. In verse number 30, he kind of summarizes it and he says, we have the same conflict which you saw in me. Just to paraphrase, you saw this in me when I was with you before, but now you, you hear that it's in me because I'm in prison and you're over there, but you, you, you saw it before. Now you hear that it's in me. Paul's saying, I have a conflict. And we could say, we all should say, we have a conflict we don't belong here, in a sense. We're living here under a different authority. Satan owns the world, right? The principalities of darkness. But he has called us out of darkness to live in his light. But we're still here. But we have a conflict. You know? We have this issue. And, and so we have to deal with life, with that context that, you know what? We're in this thing together. And that's where we get our strength so look over in chapter 3 for just a minute. This is, a, this is what Paul was talking about, this conflict. Verse number, chapter 3, verse number, uh, verse number 8, Paul writes, Indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ." And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Well, Paul is saying we're in this together. We have a conflict. We've given up everything for Christ And let's run this race together. Again, Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the very word that saved my soul. I'll go deeper than that. Not only did the word of God save my soul, he saved my life. My pastor told me many, many years ago. He said, if you didn't get saved, you'd probably be in prison or you would be dead. I said, yeah, Maybe. But God saved me, my soul, my spirit, my body, my being. So in that context, Paul said, can't we give him back everything? Because if it weren't for him, we wouldn't even be here or wouldn't be here the way we are uh, if, if it weren't for him. So let's uh, let's see here. So just to summarize that, Paul saying, I, I, I want your conduct to be worthy of the gospel united with other believers, committed, striving together, not afraid of what other people are saying about you or to you, convicting them of their own sin when they see your righteousness. And, I, and I'm, 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 I'm beseeching you, church, get on the team, join the team, recognize you're on the team. And being on the team means there's going to be sacrifices. It's like playing basketball in high school. There were basketball practices all the time. They're all through the winter. You had to go to basketball practice. It was a sacrifice to be on the team. And and, and then you had to put up with everything. All the commotion, all the other people, all the the coaches yelling at you all. But that was part of being on the team. And so Paul's saying the same thing. You're on the team. Run this race with great endurance. Amen. So. So I'm going to give you three criteria for joining the team. All right. And it's based on what we just read. And it's not going to be difficult. I'll tell you right now. But it is the word of God. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you're in church today? I'm glad you're in church on my birthday. I'm glad you're in church anytime, actually. But anyway, praise the Lord. Number number one is this. If you want to join the team, you've got to conduct yourself worthy of the gospel. That needs some explanation. Because Number one, you, you can't join the team and act the way you want to. If that happened in high school, guess what? You'd be kicked off the team, which happened. Didn't happen to me. Thank the Lord. But happened to a lot of people I knew. You're going to be like that. Boom, you're out of here. It would happen. But we have to understand something about being on this team. See, this team is, is different because listen to this. None of us are worthy to be on the team. None of us deserve to be on the team. We don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to be in right standing with God. None of us deserve that. The Word tells us in Ephesians 2, we're saved by grace through faith. It's God's unmerited favor. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest we should boast. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But the point of that is, now that we're in good standing with God, now that we're covered by the blood of Jesus, we're forgiven, cleansed of our sin, how do we live? How do we walk? How do we function? We're redeemed, we're delivered, our sins are atoned for. How are we supposed to live? But see, verse 27 seems to indicate here that our conduct is, uh, our conduct should be worthy of the gospel, but it's far more than one, two, three, four, five. It's way more than obeying the Ten Commandments. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's, it, rather, he's talking about your, your, your life being worthy of the gospel. It's about our conduct within the body of Christ. It's, 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 it's like saying we're in the fight, we're in the, the, uh, the battle consistently. I don't know anyone who hasn't sinned along the path. Do you know anyone? (laughs) We still have the perfect section if anyone wants to take a seat. I mean, I've been a Christian a long time. I'm on the top of the list, but I don't know anyone who's lived a perfect life. So when we say live a life worthy of the gospel, you know, by the nature of who we are, none of us could really attain that. It's not keeping the law. We're done with the law. The law is completed, but it's living in grace. But he says a couple of things in verse 27 that kind of explain what he's talking about. He's saying to stand fast. That's how you walk worthy. You stand fast. There's a death in your family. Your car breaks down. You have no, whatever happens in life, things happen. Guess what? You as a man or woman of God, you stand fast. You don't cave in from from the pressure all around you, that's walking worthy of the gospel. And if you do sin, if you do fall away, guess what you do? You repent and you get back on on the on the battle again, on the battlefield again. You stand fast. And then, but but in the context, look verse verse twenty seven. You stand fast in one spirit. You know what that means? You don't start looking at somebody saying, oh, you blew it, you did this, you did blah, blah, blah. No, we're in one spirit. You, maybe you had a problem this week. I, I may have a problem next week, whatever. We're in this walk together. We're standing fast in one spirit. All have sinned and fall short of the glory, but all can be redeemed through the blood of Jesus. That's, that's in one spirit and in one mind. We're thinking the same and we're striving together, striving together. We're, we're talking about our lives. We're, we're being in the flow, in the game. We're on the team. And yes, our conduct is based upon our beliefs. Our beliefs are based upon Christ. But putting aside the do's and the don'ts, it becomes a heart issue. Stand fast with other believers. I know many Christians are, they, they know a lot. And they do a lot. But sometimes their heart is way out in left field. What I mean is there's criticisms, there's gossip, there's opinions, there's rude comments, there's in, in-house fighting, there's, there's not obeying the scripture in, in detail regarding their personal life. It's self-seeking, all in the name of God. But, but they're doing right, but their heart is a million miles away. But again, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to change my life. So how, how I used to think, or how we used to think, like, I'm going to get even, I'm going to get loud, I'm going to get angry, I'm going to do this or that. See, all that's been crucified with Christ. If we're going to walk worthy of the gospel, we're going to get a handle on that stuff. And if we blow it, we repent. And we get it right and get on with it. You know, don't live in the, in the sinfulness or the guilt of it. Get on with your life. But, you know, conduct your, 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 your life worthy of the gospel for the faith of the gospel. I want to encourage you, church, to appreciate your faith and appreciate the faith of others. I, 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 that's like on my heart so heavy. Kenny Ortiz, God bless you, brother, for being here today. I appreciate your faith. Kenny was here for a while, haven't seen him in a while. He made arrangements to get here. Thank you, Jason, for providing, providing a, a, a ride. But see, that's what I mean. I, I appreciate you, man, just getting into the house of God. And everyone here should be appreciating him for getting here today. So, so uh, we all, you know, we need to appreciate our faith, appreciate the faith of others. We're all a work in progress. Hello. Uh, We all, Philippians 2, we'll get to it later. But Paul says, work out your own salvation. Emphasis on own with fear and trembling. Work it out. Let me give you some references to support what I'm talking about. Then we're going to go to number two. But uh, most of you know Hebrews 10, 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We're talking about walking worthy uh, of the gospel. Walking worthy means in unity with other people. 2 Timothy 2.22. It says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. Oh, really? Yeah pursue all those great things with those that call upon in other words let's associate with other believers that are doing the same thing because there's strength in that unity james 5:16 get a load of this never really understood this verse until recently confess your sins to one another that you might be healed oh boy really i thought god would forgive me yeah he does but often he'll use people that you could confide in. You share your life, you, you share your struggles, you pray with each other. And in that relationship, you get healed. You see that? it's not God never intended the walk to be independent. He always designed the Christian walk to be with people. And that's where it gets difficult. But that's where it also gets victorious. So number one is this. If you want to be on the team... We've got to conduct ourselves worthy of the gospel. In other words, get plugged in to the body of Christ. It's not a list of 10 things to do and 10 things not to do. It's an attitude. It's a disposition. It's it's a heart matter that I'm always going to consider God. I'm always going to consider the word of God. I'm always going to consider my brothers and sisters as I move forward in Christ. Because look, if you succeed, it reflects on all of us. If you fail... That does too. But if you repent and make it right, that reflects on all of us too. I want to be known as a church that's a spiritual hospital. People come in broken and bruised and whatever, and they get healed, they get touched, they get get made right, and they have the fellowship of the saints. And maybe God will send them out, or maybe God will plug them in to do a work here. But some of the greatest workers of the gospel that I know have been through the mill. And they've been redeemed and set free. And for the rest of their lives, they are sold out. Not perfect, but they're sold out for the Lord. Amen. So number one is this. If you want to be part of the team, live, walk a life, let your life be worthy of the gospel for the faith of the gospel. Here's number two. This is like, you know, playing basketball in high school. You had to go to these practices. I still remember. A lot of times you didn't want to go, but you you had to go or else you would have got kicked off the team. But here's another thing Paul's saying. If you want to be part of the team, you've got to be a witness for the Lord. Now, that puts fear in a lot of people. But let me explain what he's talking about here. Verse number 28. In the context, he's saying, look, I want you to live out your life with confidence, with boldness, not in fear, not embarrassed, not half heartedly, uh, I, I want you to be a witness in, in verse uh, verse twenty seven you know talks about living uh, working together, striving together. but let me ask a question, and nobody raise your hand, but does anybody know that you 're a Christian, like at work? do people know that you 're a christian i 'm not saying to wear a sign that says, "I am a Christian." I'm saying, does anyone know by your attitude, your disposition, what you do or don't do, or just your your demeanor? Does anyone know? Because this is what what Paul is saying. Verse 28 is saying, I want you to do verse 27, but I want you to do it in such a way that, you know, it's just natural. And when you live your life in that way, your adversaries, the non-believers, they're going to be convicted of their own sin. I think we could be a witness for the Lord and, and, and share Christ without even saying anything directly about the Word of God or about Jesus, just by our lifestyle. I can remember before I was in ministry, I had some secular jobs as a Christian, and there were a lot of things I wouldn't do, like I wouldn't go to the bar to have a drink or whatever. And people would say, why don't you do this? And then I'd have an opportunity to tell them. But just by me not doing those things, it made them feel a little convicted. Not that they stopped doing it, but anyway, a, a seed was planted. Amen. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, they, you know, they just have to find their way. But, uh, but anyway, you know, living your life is, is really important in front of people. Let, let me Turn with me. Turn in your Bible or your Bible app <clears throat> to uh, 2 Corinthians 2. I referred to this a few weeks ago. I want to refer to it again. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 15 and 16. He says it like this. We are to God the fragrance of Christ. Okay, so we're a fragrance to the Lord, right? Uh, Among those who are being saved, that's, you know, among one another, and among those who are perishing, the unsaved. It says, for to the one we are the aroma of death leading to death. In other words, our our life, our fragrance, our being, our Christianity is speaking to those that are dying on their way to hell, is is speaking death to death with a hope of salvation, but to the other, the aroma of life leading to life, to the Christian. And who is sufficient for these things? Well, who is sufficient? Only anyone who's come to a place in their life where you recognize you're insufficient and, and God's sufficiency is made real in you when you accept Jesus. So he's saying, you know, uh, how, how you live your life will determine the type of witness that you are. We looked at it last time, but in verses 13 and 14 of chapter one, Paul is saying, look, I'm in prison. But I realize the palace guard is being witnessed to. They're recognizing that my chains are in Christ. That's pretty awesome. The next verse, he says, I, I'm in prison, but I, I'm recognizing that the body of Christ over here that's visiting with me, their faith is being strengthened because I'm bound for Christ. He didn't even really say a whole lot, but just his situation. So my, my point is, how, how can we be a witness for God without being over the top or mean spirited about someone coming to Christ? Well, I want to give you three things real quick. The first thing is, is our lifestyle. The way we live our lives is really important. Um, our honesty, our kindness, our truthfulness, doing good deeds. Matthew 5:16 says this. Jesus said this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's a great scripture. Paul kind of picked up on it Ephesians 2:10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that He prepared beforehand. So our lifestyle, the way we do things, the way we live to honor the Lord will be observed by the non-believer and hopefully bring them to a place of, I want what He has. Secondly, our words. And there are so many scriptures about word, words and Proverbs especially, but really throughout the Word of God. I'm going to give you two. Proverbs 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. In other words, saying the right thing at the right time, it may not even be about God. It's just the right word at the right time will be a blessing for someone. That's how we can be a blessing for the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 18, 21, you know this. There's death and life in the power of the tongue what we say, how we say what we say, our tone of voice, all of that can either bring death to someone or life to someone. But our words can be a witness for the Lord. And the third area would be our attitude. I won't go into it too far, but Philippians chapter 2, in verse verse 5, Paul writes, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself, left heaven, came to earth, gave his life, sacrificially died on the cross. But let that mindset be in you. So let our attitude be one of humility, giving, gentleness, servant-like, gracious, looking out for other people. And remember, Paul is in prison now. And we already looked at this last week. He's in prison writing these wonderful things to this church. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm supporting you. I think well of you. I know God who started a good work in you is faithful to, to complete it. All these wonderful things. He's got the right spirit and the right attitude in spite of his own predicament that he's in. So, let's see. Yeah, so Paul is full of positive thoughts instead of being like perhaps some of us would be, I probably would be, a little angry, a little bitter, a little, uh, you know, what was me type of thing. But he was able to get beyond that to be a witness for the Lord. So, okay, so you, you want to be, you want to join the team, conduct your life worthy of the gospel and be a witness for the Lord. And number three is this, based on verses 29 and 30. And this is what you've all been waiting for, to suffer for Christ. In America, in 2023, Ah, uh, I thought the gospel was like, you know, I'm going to prosper. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to get a lot of money and all this good stuff. I don't know. He says, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Really? It's been granted to you. It's a privilege for you. In Acts five uh, forty-one, we read that the apostles, Peter and the apostles, were beaten, jailed, went before the council. But they left rejoicing that they, were, they had been considered worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. What an attitude. No bitterness, no anger, no I'm going to get even with those guys. They were rejoicing because they were found to be worthy to suffer for Christ. Turn with me uh, again, if you would, to Matthew 7. I want to show you how you can begin to suffer for Christ. You ready for this? Uh, Is everyone ready for this? we're ready or not, you're going to get it. Matthew 7, verse number 13 and 14. You know this scripture. But if you want to suffer for Christ, plug into these two verses. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. Right there, you're going to suffer. If you get off the high, the high, broad highway into a narrow gate, man, you, you are singled out as, as somebody different than everybody else. But wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. So I want to say, if you choose the narrow road, you will suffer for Christ. Wide is the gate that everyone else is going that way. The way of the world, the masses, the liberal, the ungodly, they're all going in the wide way. But if you, if you go the narrow way, you're going to get away from pleasing yourself and you're going to get away from secular humanism. You're going to stand on, for instance, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. Really? What about all those good Muslim people or good Buddhist people, good Hindus? What about those that are new age people? They're good people. They do good things. Well, Jesus said, I'm the way. No one goes that way. This is the narrow path. If you want to suffer for Christ, be prayed up and share that, share the word of God with some people. You will suffer in some way. What if someone says, well, I'm good enough. I give money to the poor. I'm good. I do good things. Plus, I'm wealthy. I made it in life. I have, you know, three cars and a vacation in Hawaii or whatever. Uh, I have an education. I have my degrees. I have everything. I'm successful. I'm good. But when you stand up for Christ, when you say things like, you know what? The word of God says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You're putting yourself in a narrow category and you will suffer for saying that. If you say the wages of sin is death, we should all die and go to hell, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. As right as that is, in the world's view, we're, we're marked and we're going to suffer for what we say. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, if we say this, and I, I've, I've gone down this road many times with people trying to convince them of the gospel. The, the Bible says, by grace you've been saved through faith. It is your faith. You have to have faith. But it's God's grace, God's unmerited blessing on you that gets you saved. It's not by your works, or else we would all be boasting about it. And people do boast about their lives. I did this, I did that, I travel, I have money, whatever. And and to say, all that's good, but it's not good enough for the gospel, you will suffer for that, unless the Holy Spirit's involved, and God will use that to bring that person to Christ. So, three things. Three things if we want to join the team. One is to conduct your, your life worthy of the gospel in unity with the body of Christ. Being a witness for the Lord. Letting your light shine at work, with your family, whatever. And then suffering for Christ in some way. I mean, we're blessed in a way that we, we don't have to deal with real persecution in the States, although there's some persecution. I just read, heard something the other day in India where we have some missionaries, a Christian church put up 12 bathrooms on their property for the general public to use, just out of goodwill. And when the government found out, the leaders found out, they burned down the church and broke up the, the, uh, the bathrooms. Just because they didn't want there to be a Christian witness in that area. That's like today. That happened like a week or so ago, I think. I mean, we're blessed. We don't have that here. But we do have the issues of social issues and various other moral issues that we're dealing with all the time. And we are, we are becoming more and more of a minority, in case you haven't noticed. The narrow road is getting narrower and narrower, narrower. The wider road is getting bigger and bigger. Everything goes now. But when you narrow it down to one way through Jesus Christ, you're a marked person. And you will suffer in some way for it. So in conclusion, just want to summarize this. I, I would encourage everyone to join the team. I, I, as I shared last week, dealing with my mother's problems and stuff, I felt so blessed when people were texting me and whatnot, sent out an email, people were responding, praying for you, praying for you. That, that blessed me so much to be part of the team, to know that there's people with me dealing with this crisis I had to deal with. Amen. Thank you. Well, why don't we stand together just to summarize. If you want to join the team, live your life worthy of the gospel. Meaning, get plugged in. Be a witness for the Lord and start looking at the ways you're suffering for Christ. You might be suffering without even realizing it right now. Let your light shine. Let's, Let's read together verses 29 and 30. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. One more time. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Every head bowed for just a moment. Simple question. Does anyone want to join in the conflict? You know, different way of saying an altar call, but it is a conflict. Your, Your belief system will put you at odds with most everything else. But is there anyone here today online, perhaps, that wants to get right with God and join the conflict? Raise your hand if that's you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Excellent. Excellent. I wonder if there are some people here that feel like, I just, I, just need to, I just need to get plugged in. I need to get consistent. I need to put God first in every aspect of my life. Amen. A lot of, all right, good. And, and thirdly is this, no one looking around, but how many of you have loved ones that you want to see a part of the team? Amen. I heard from Esther earlier. She shared with the worship team. Esther, was it your brother? What was it, your brother? Your nephew. Family was praying for this, this man for 30 plus years. He finally gave his heart to the Lord getting baptized. I I think I'm going to start incorporating that phrase. Are you ready to join the conflict? Because otherwise it's a little misleading. Come to Christ. Everything's going to be perfect. No, not really. You're going to join a conflict. But I'm so happy I'm in the conflict. My life was conflicted way before in different ways before this conflict. I'd rather be in this conflict than any other conflict. Pray. Okay. Dear Father, Lord, thank you for this word today. Join the club. Help us, Lord, to get on the team. Lord, for those that raise their hands, bless them. I I think there's a recommitment going on. Lord, give them an assurance. Give us all an assurance. Lord, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about about the, the conflict, the battle, the struggle and doing it together in one accord, in one heart, one spirit, one mind, striving together in the gospel. Lord, help help that reality to be ours during these days. Lord, help us also to live our lives in a worthy manner of the gospel, knowing you gave everything for this. You gave everything for this. Lord, we just... Remembered Good Friday and Easter Sunday and all the excitement associated with that. Lord, let us not get far away from that. Let us remember the great price you paid for our salvation. And let us walk worthy of the gospel. Lord, let us begin to be aware of how we can be a witness for you. It may be what we say or do. It may be what we don't say or don't do. But let our lives be a representation of the God that we serve. And Lord, also let us be aware of the sufferings that you called us into the sufferings of Christ. You called us into this walk on this earth where we don't really fit. We don't really belong. Our values are different. And we're going to feel tension and pressure. But Lord, help us to embrace those sufferings and to feel good about suffering for you. Lord, when I read that verse 28, you, you said to have confidence in your, in your suffering and in your, in your being a witness for those adversaries. It's a confirmation of their salvation. Lord, let our sufferings be a confirmation that we're doing the right things. And so, Lord, I, my prayer now for the congregation, just blessing. Let us be a part of the team. Let the team go forward with an anointing of your spirit, O oh God. Let us have a great day today. Let us have a great uh, prayer meeting tonight on the live stream. Lord, bless our prayer week coming up Monday through Friday. And Lord, bless the water baptism as several people are making that decision to join the conflict, to get into the fight, to do it the right way. And we pray blessings upon these special events. So we give you praise, Lord. You are worthy to receive all of our praise. We thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness. May your blessing be upon us as we go. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, hallelujah. I'll see you in the, in the cafe for a cup of coffee. And I'll see you online tonight at 6 o'clock. God bless you. Go in victory.